Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast, helping you invest in property for freedom, choice, and profit. You'll learn new, innovative, and multiple streams of property income, whether you want to start, scale, or systemize, and even if you don't have deposits. Hi, I'm Peter Jones, Chartered Surveyor, Author, and Property Investor, and this is the Progressive Property Podcast. And I'm delighted today to be joined by Gary Smith. Hi, Gary. Hi, Peter. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Brilliant. Well, I'm really glad you could join me today, Gary. And I haven't known you too long. No. And you actually haven't been part of the progressive community for too long, which we'll, we'll have a chat about in a moment. Yeah. But the reason why I particularly wanted to uh, invite you to join me on the podcast today is because you're, in relative terms, at the beginning of your property journey. And I think a lot of the listeners out there are going to empathise and understand and be inspired, probably, because of your journey, I because so. a lot of people are probably starting out and at a similar point to where you maybe were a year or so ago. So I thought it'd be mm-hmm. really useful and uh, really useful to have you to come, come in and to talk to us and share your journey with us. So thank you very much. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's um, a bit of a surprise and a real honour. So yeah, thank you very much. No. So Gary, just sort of a bit of the backstory first, because obviously you haven't been in property for too long. Mm-hmm. Going back a few years, you were in the RAF? Yeah, I um, had a fairly normal upbringing and I actually left school slightly early. I did my GCSEs and then left to join the Royal Air Force as an engineer. Okay. Um, wasn't on my original plan, but it just seemed to happen like that. And oh. yeah, I became an engineer in the Royal Air Force. When you say it wasn't in your original plan, how did it happen then? It seems quite a uh, random thing. Yeah, well, I, I was, uh, I'm a bit more arty and I was quite interested in graphic design and this sort of thing. Um, and I went along to the RAF, I quite fancy being an air traffic controller and controlling things because I like the graphic display of the screens bizarrely. Um, and in the usual fashion, the RAF uh, interviewed me and said, that's all very interesting, Mr. Smith, but we need engineers. Come with us and we'll show you a, a better way. So I ended up becoming an engineer, which right. I did enjoy. Okay. Was well, I was going to say, because that's quite interesting, because if you're sort of artistically inclined, does that actually fit with being a details, the engineering type mindset? Does, does, does it hang together? Not always, um, but I enjoyed problem solving. I still enjoy problem solving. And that's the bit that uh, really was in tune with what I enjoyed doing. So um, giving me a Harrier aircraft that wasn't quite working properly to solve that problem was really enjoyable to me. So I kind of put the artistic side to one side and uh, carried on solving problems. Right, and the Harriers now, of course, have gone. Yes. But you'd left the RAF long before that happened, presumably. Yeah, um, with the defence cuts that happened in the 90s, what I really enjoyed about the RAF, as well as the problem solving, was going on expeditions, mountaineering and canoeing, this sort of thing. And with the defence cuts, the funding for that died out, and the job had changed. So I wasn't enjoying it as much, Um, the novelty wasn't there, and um, yeah, I ended up wearing a funny uniform and not getting the the stimulation that I needed, I guess. Right. So, time to leave. Okay, so was that when you got into property? No, it wasn't. Okay, so what happened next then, Gary? Well, after 13 years in the RAF, working on aircraft, I then moved to boats. Right. Yeah, a local company in Peterborough, um, which was a luxury boat builder. And I joined as an engineer and then spent the next 17 or so years 
uh, working my way up. I managed to get into the design office, which was a real lucky break. Ah, um, so the arty side was coming out again. Indeed, yeah. Um, still in engineering, but designing boats at this point. Um, so that was fantastic. And worked my way up and ended up um, leading the team, becoming the engineering manager for the company. So pretty much running the design office, which okay. was fantastic. Right. Sounds good. Mm. But presumably didn't continue. No, this was the thing. I, I was in my dream job. I got very, very comfortable, um, which is always a danger. And then second recession came along in 2008. And overnight, the orders for boats dried up because rich people suddenly realised they don't actually need a boat. Mm. So the orders dried up and then redundancies followed. And that included you? Um, not at that point. This was in 2008, um, but I was then in a managerial position. So my dream job slowly turned into a nightmare because I was then making members of my team redundant. And it always happened around Christmas time, as these things do when the budgets are mm. checked. Mm. So um, the business got more and more difficult as a place to work. I was having to make my friends redundant at this point. Um, so this came to a head in December 2015. Okay when the company went bust. Oh, it really? It went under yes, completely? it did. So where did that leave you? It left me without a job and without a plan because, as I said, I'd got comfortable. Even though we were going through all these um, changes within the business, I firmly buried my head in the sand, my head, and um, just sat there being comfortable, being worried but being too scared to do anything about it. Right. When you say comfortable, what do you mean by that? Because it sounds like a very uncomfortable situation. Yeah. How did, how did you find comfort in that? It's bizarre, isn't it? Mm. I, um, I just turned it into a nine-to-five job. Instead of loving my job and being really actively and loving it, mm. it turned into a nine-to-five. I was like a robot. Mm. I was just going to work every day, getting through the day, um, and going home watching TV, going to bed, doing the same thing over and over again. So I turned into, I describe it as being a zombie. Um, my wife had a great job. Um, she was really enjoying her job and I was just going through the motions. And what were you doing at this time? Um, this was still doing the job as an engineering manager. Things changed. I, yes. I got sort of, not promoted, but moved sideways into a different role, which I enjoyed even less. Right. Um, became more of a nine to five job. And okay. So that's the position I was in when the company went when bust. When the company went bust. So what yeah. did you do when the company went bust? Um, I had a bit of a moment. I, um, I didn't have a breakdown or anything, uh, but I started applying for engineering manager roles. There's plenty of roles around, um, but found that I really wasn't following through with it and really my heart wasn't in it. And I realised after 13 years in the RAF and 17 years in a corporate role, I'd probably had enough of engineering and had enough of being in an office and being controlled by other people and worrying. You know, we'd been worried about redundancy for the last five or six years and that had probably taken its toll by that point. So at this point, I came to a stop, um, started kind of applying for jobs, but not really pushing it. Um, so I, I took the easy way, which was working for my wife. All right, time. okay. Yeah. Okay, As working for your wife? Yeah, which did, was Did that work? Was that okay? Yeah, I'm still doing that okay. part-time. So that did work okay. Yeah, got to be careful there. She'll be listening to this <laughs> later, I'm sure. Um, no, it's, it's really good. It's, it's a part-time job. Um, she runs a really successful interior design business that her and her colleagues have built up 
really well. And I'm their fitter. I go to people's houses, I measure up for curtains and all this sort of thing, and unfit curtains and hang blinds and this sort of thing, which, which gets me in some really nice houses and gets me to meet some really good people. So um, there's plus size and negative right, size. A bit, to bit that. of networking there. Mm. But still not using your arty side. No. I thought really. you were going to say then that you'd be actually doing the interior designs for her. No. With your artistic no, no, she background. wouldn't let me near that. I don't she wouldn't let you do that. <laughs> She's got the talent in the interior side. Okay. Um, but, but also, my, one of my other passions is classic cars. Mm. Um, and it, as well as taking on a part time job at Candy, I took on a part time job in my friend's classic car garage, fixing up classic cars, which again seemed like fun to start off with. Okay. So December 2015, yeah. you suddenly tip over the edge, you find yeah. yourself without a job, you mm -hmm. end up working for Candy, your wife, yeah. and a part-time job with your friend. Yes. And did you think that was it then? Um, that, that's your life no. now? No, I, I, wasn't, you have other I wasn't happy with the situation. Um, the classic car thing was great, and it was, it was a really helpful time, actually, because my fr I mean, Candy's a great entrepreneur. And the friend I went to work with in the classic car garage also worked in the same boat company as me originally. So we had a lot to share. And he was absolutely an entrepreneur and a fantastic positive person um, to be with. Oliver, if you're listening, thank you very much. Um, but working in a classic car garage actually on the tools um, wore off as a novelty fairly quickly, um, as he and I always expected it would. So it, it tidied me through a difficult patch and it gave me somebody to talk to, which was brilliant. But then in January, a friend of mine, or a couple of friends of mine, invited me to a Multiple Streams event. A Multiple Streams Property Income? Indeed, yes. Here in Peterborough? Yes, in Peterborough, in Progressive okay. Property. Okay. Yeah. So that's about a month after you made Redundant? Yes, a month and a half. So were you thinking of property before that, or was this a whole new idea for you? We'd always enjoyed fixing up our own properties. We've always, we live in Stamford, which is a fantastic little old town near to Peterborough, uh, Georgian town, lots of really old properties. And we'd always lived in old properties and refurbished them, extended them, done lots to them. So we'd always enjoyed that process and done quite well out of them when we resold them, um, but never taken it a step further. And we'd always thought we should be buying property, especially in the recession when they were cheap. Mm. Um, but never taken the step. So yes, we'd always been interested in property, but with me and my head in the sand and being comfortable, never done it. Okay. So you came to the Multiple Streams Property Income event? Yes. Roughly January yes, 2016? late January, I think it was. Okay. What happened? I had a bit, another one of my moments, um, sitting, listening, probably to yourself. I can't remember, to be honest, I do apologise. Pro no, probably wasn't me, actually. <laughs> no, but okay. Yeah. Mm. Um, listening to various speakers talk about property. And I had a little, you know, you get that feeling in your heart, that little fluttery feeling that's a good feeling. And I thought, I could do this. This is something I could do. I don't need to rely too much on other people. I can, you know, forge my own path. So, yeah, it was... So we came away from multiple streams quite excited. And did Candy come with you? She did, yeah. Um, and she was as excited as you were? Yeah, yeah. Right, which is a positive. Absolutely. We're pulling in yeah. the same direction. Yes. So as you left, what did you think was going to happen? What was going to be the big change? What were you going to well, do? While we were there, we invested in a couple of courses. Mm -hmm. um, Candy, I was being my engineer self and thinking, oh, I need to think about this. Oh, I'm not sure about this. Even though... I had this spark inside me. Candy was brilliant and said, 
get off your bottom, get your credit card, and go and buy, invest in masterclass, mm. the property investing masterclass. Mm. So we didn't have much money. I had my redundancy payout from the government, which isn't a huge amount. Um, so we took a bit of a risk um, and invested in the masterclass and a couple of a couple of other smaller courses as well. Right. So presumably that masterclass would have been one of the ones which myself, Dixie, and Anne were training. Indeed. Yes. Right, there we go. That's where I first met you. Right. There we go. Yeah. Right. Right. Excellent. So presumably you took what you learned at masterclass. You went out. You've bought hundreds of properties. Ah. Hasn't quite happened yet. <laughs> Not quite yet. But this is one of the reasons why I thought it'd be great to get you in, Gary, because this is a real life journey, isn't it? It is, very much so. I know that you sort of hit a few bumps, which you've now come through, which is a good thing. So let's let's explore what happened after you left Masterclass then. What were your plans in property? What did you try and do? Well, I enjoyed Masterclass immensely and and the grounding and the basics that it's covered across Mm. the whole um, plethora of, of property, mm. which was fantastic. Mm. I enjoyed the course very much. And during the course, I changed my mind a couple of times of what I wanted to do. Mm. We, we, we came to multiple streams thinking we're going to do flipping, yes, um, which we were quite interested in with our experience in renovating properties. Um, by the end of Masterclass, I'd also done a, a No Money Down course somewhere around that time. So by the end of those two courses, I decided that I needed cash flow because I didn't have a, um, a job anymore. And although we were surviving okay on Candy's salary, um, we weren't comfortable anymore. It was tight. Um, so we needed cash flow. So rent to rent seemed like a good option. And I decided that HMOs were a good model for myself and our skills and for the area we were in. So I came out of Masterclass and I think it was No Money Down course with rent-to-rent HMOs as my strategy. Okay. So what was the first thing you did? I went home, spent a fair bit of time on Rightmove, um, set up a little office at home, um, up on the landing, um, and starting, started writing letters to landlords. But first I, I set up my brand and, and emails, decided on a company name, which took ages because... There's me being risk averse, every name was wrong. Um, so set up the company name, Treeline Property. Um, reason for the name is I've enjoyed mountaineering, so I have lots of fun above the tree line. Okay. So tree line came about, so yeah. that's the reason for that. Yeah, um, Yeah, and started writing letters direct to landlords um, in the Peterborough area. And did you get much response? I got no response. No response? No. So how did that make you feel? Um, it made me question it. It made me a little bit disillusioned, but although I was questioning it, it wasn't the strategy, it was myself really I was questioning because although I was writing letters, I kept hearing about other people that were writing hundreds of letters and I'm writing one letter a week Uh, maximum. Right. So, hand up, I wasn't fully committed. Okay. Why do you think that was, though? If you've been to the Multiple Streams event yeah. and you come out inspired, you've been to Masterclass, come out inspired, yes. hopefully. Yes. What went wrong? What, what, what was the problem? It's, I guess I expected or didn't expect. I, Oh, yeah, I expected in my own brain that I'd get a quicker response. I'd get some response. And getting no response was difficult to handle. But I think my heart wasn't really in it 
and I wasn't fully committed because we were still comfortable. I was still comfortable. Mm. Um, it wasn't driving me on. I wasn't feeling pain, even though I didn't have a job anymore, which sounds strange. You know, I'd gone from a good salary, but um, I went to this position where we were still getting by. And although it was really difficult, I've got two boys, and you know, that even they weren't really feeling the pain. They were still having things that they needed. We cut right down on takeaway meals. We realised how much we were spending. You know, you review your circumstances. Mm. And by cutting back on frivolous spending, we realised, you know, we, we were surviving. Mm. So I was managing to get by without doing property properly. Mm. So there's no urgency. There was no urgency and it probably wasn't my passion yes. at that point. Although it seemed like a good model on paper, it probably wasn't the right thing for me at that time. Right, and that, that's why I think it's important to have this type of an interview because yeah. let's, let's be realistic, not everybody who starts is going to find it plain sailing. No, absolutely. And there's going to be bumps in the road. Yes. As we try and warn everybody, property mm -hmm. is relatively simple in terms of the principles, yeah. but it takes a bit of effort. It's not easy in that sense. No. We have to actually go out and take quite a lot of action, particularly yes. to get the momentum. It sounds like you never really got the momentum no, I didn't. To, to, to carry you through. No, absolutely not. My heart wasn't in it, so it wasn't driving me forward. So I was going through the motions, I guess. Right. So were you at the point where you were going to stop property altogether and have a rethink and go and do something completely different? Yeah, it's, it's quite funny in a sad kind of way. But um, Candy and I have our... We, t we take the dog for a walk, Herbert the Spaniel. Um, we take him for a walk just about every morning. It's one of our, our nice rituals that we yes. do. Um, we tend to have our business meetings in our walk. It's 20 minutes walk, typically. Sounds like a fantastic idea, as long as it's not raining. Yeah, yeah. We, we, it's amazing, actually, how, how little it's rained in the last year. Right. We seem to have got away with that. But right. we go out in the bad weather as yeah. well. Um, Herbert doesn't seem to mind. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we have 20 minutes to just talk stuff about her business, my business, and it's a great way to set yourselves up for the day. So mm. I recommend that to anyone mm. who can, um, if they're with a business part partner, first thing in the morning, and if it's their wife that that's their business partner, it's fantastic. Mm. Mm. I count myself as very lucky. Mm. Um, so yeah, that 20 minute walk in the morning is when we sort out our day and our, our future. Mm. So yeah, one, one morning, uh, I think it was uh, one of our longer walks, or it turned into a longer walk, maybe. It was the elephant in the room, you know, nothing was happening with the property. Um, Candy could tell I wasn't really happy and my heart wasn't in it. Um, so this one morning, it was like, what are we going to do? Shall we give up? We said the words, shall, shall we give up? Shall, mm. shall Gary get a job again? Mm. And how did Gary feel about that? Gary didn't want a job. <laughs> right. Right. Gary um, was enjoying working from home. I still find some of it, it tricky. It's hard to get in a rhythm as an entrepreneur. I've heard a few people say this when you've been nine to five for years mm. and years and years. To get that rhythm going, is I'm still finding my way in that. Discipline, the D word. Discipline, yes, yes, very important. Yeah. Something I was struggling with still, but getting there. Mm. Um, so this morning, um, I think it was Candy, it probably was because she has the good ideas, suggested why don't we do serviced accommodation? We'd heard about serviced accommodation. Um, we'd seen other people doing it, and we were in the lucky position to have a spare room in our house. Mm. So that morning, we said, yeah, let's put HMOs to one side for the moment, um, and let's 
have a look at this serviced accommodation thing. So we converted the playroom as it was. The boys had grown up by this time, so didn't really use the playroom. They'd probably argue with that point. Mm. Um, so we redecorated, converted it from a playroom to a bedroom and put ourselves on Airbnb. Okay. So we'll come back to the technicalities sure. in a moment, but I just wanted to explore this moment, yes. this kind of light bulb moment that you had, yes. because it sounds like it is quite significant. Yes. But I don't want to sort of make it into more than it was, unless it was, but it'd be interesting to know just what it was for you, really. At that moment when you were looking at the possibility of giving up and getting a job, mm. did you feel that in your heart of hearts you said, right, I'm going to commit, or did it kind of just happen that you found another route and you kind of casually slid into it. It definitely was it more of a defining moment than that. Yeah, I, th I think it was more defining than that. It definitely wasn't a casual thing. Mm. We f we finished the dog walk, excited again. Uh, right. It was like when we walked out of multiple streams. I guess in a way, we had that skip in our step, mm. and we were excited. Yeah, let's do this. Um, this could really work because with Candy's interior design, flair she could become involved as well because she wasn't involved with the HMO thing. It was very much my thing. Um, so with the surface accommodation thing, with her entire interior design flair, she felt she could become involved and that gave me um, more reassurance that you know I was going to be working with somebody again after mm. 17 years of working with people. Yeah. I think that was probably a big thing, which I hadn't really thought about until today. Yeah. And you just asking that. So that's yeah. interesting. Well, it's interesting. Because yeah. I, mean, I, I don't know the details of your story at all. Yeah. But I, I suspect that a lot of people who might be listening to this, who possibly are struggling a little bit, yes. may find that the same answer is, is, is for them as well. Yes. That maybe it's actually working with somebody is the key to the, the problem, the solution to the problem. Absolutely. Is trying not to do it on your own. Yeah, I would wholeheartedly 100% agree with that. Um, it can be incredibly lonely if you're trying to do it on your own. And if you try and bounce ideas off people when you're down the pub or something, mm. that may not give mm. you the answers you actually need. Well, it almost certainly won't give you <laughs> the answers you need. Yes. <laughs> no, I wouldn't recommend that yeah. as a, yes. a strategy. But yeah, yeah um, having Candy on board and involved in the business made a huge difference. So yeah, it was a, it was a big moment, a big yeah. turning point. Yeah. Now obviously you were in a happy position of being able to turn to your wife and she was interested yes. in the business. Yes. Which is great mm -hmm. for anybody who's listening who hasn't got that happy position. Yeah. That's one of the benefits of being part of the progressive community. Absolutely. For yeah. sure. VIP the community as a whole, mm -hmm. get yourself out there, meet people. Yes. Because your JV partners are probably here. In surrounding you. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, sure. So you went away, you had a skip in your step, you thought about yep. doing serviced accommodation, you very mm -hmm. bravely decided to open up your house yes. to complete strangers. Yes. But Candy was on board with that and happy yeah. with that, so yeah. that's good. So how did that then develop into the business you're now running? We found we enjoyed it. Uh, we enjoyed the process um, and we enjoyed meeting people and we liked the model. Um, Airbnb is a nice platform to use. We like the community that Airbnb tries to um, put forward, which works very well. And so we enjoyed the process. So leading on from there, um, two things happened. I took Paul Smith's service accommodation course 
And as I hadn't mentioned earlier, one of the other things we invested in in multiple streams was VIP. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. So those two things, and I'd put VIP off. I didn't want to start it too soon because I thought it would be better if I learned some basics before I dived in. Okay, for anybody who's listening, the VIP yeah. is the 12-month mentoring program run by Progressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, we took the, the service accommodation course, um, which was very, very good, and gave us, it, it was like the masterclass course for service accommodation in a way, it gave you everything you needed to know. And then um, VIP for me started in September. So I uh, took masterclass around April, did the HMO thing for a while, and then September started VIP. And that's when I really started to gain traction. Right, good word, traction. Mm. So your commitment is there, your yes. knowledge is there, yeah. it's now just a matter of taking the action. Yes. So what, what, was the, what were the practical steps that you took then? Um, you've got your, your playroom has become one of your rooms. Yes. But presumably you need more than that. Yes. Yeah, we, so we were getting weekend bookings for that. and We didn't really want to push it much more than that in our own house. We didn't want massive occupation hmm. of our house. That wouldn't have worked out. So that was that was. How, how did you feel about that, by the way, having people just sort of booking your It's really room, good. I mean, we're quite gregarious people. I mean, obviously yes. there's a bit of fear there. Yes. You embrace the fear, don't you? Yes. Do it anyway, yes. somebody yes. said. Yes. Um, and actually we found that... As is true in the world, 99% of people are really nice and great fun to meet and no problem at all. Yeah. And we had some interesting people. And we had a couple of ladies who were quite loud who stayed for five days, uh, which was a bit of a strain, but good fun at yeah. the same time. So, yeah, longer stays in your own home. Yeah. Yeah. Tricky. It's a, it's a fascinating idea because yeah. there may be people listening to this podcast who are thinking, I wanted to get into property. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, I'm feeling skint. I don't know how to raise JV funds, whatever. Yes. By the way, we can teach you how to do that. Yes. If you come to Progressive, we can show you how to do all that. But if you're wondering how can I get into property and you've got a spare room in your own house, mm-hmm. you could follow the Gary Smith model maybe and Give it a go. open it up to on Airbnb and, and get yeah. use it as service accommodation. So I think I think as an innovation, that that's fantastic, Gary. So you deserve the success you've had from that, really. Oh, thank you. From, from taking, I certainly didn't invent it, but it was, it was good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a, as you say, there's only so many nights you can actually let your own room for, though. Yes. And so many guests that you can tolerate, yes. if that's the right word. <laughs> it probably is. <laughs> yeah. So how, how did you expand the business, and what, what are you doing now? Yeah, well, joining VIP, yeah. doing the service accommodation course, yeah. um, then put me on the right footing, and... Um, we very quickly then uh, got our first apartment in Peterborough. So on a rent-to-rent basis, which is renting from the landlord, paying him his monthly rent, and then uh, letting it out on a nightly basis on Airbnb and Booking.com, and we keep the profits from that. Okay, so how did you find a landlord who wanted, or, or should I say was prepared to let you take over the property and to su- effectively sublet it? Yeah, well, we took the easy route which isn't necessarily the cheapest route, but um, the quickest, because it'd been a few months now, we wanted to get things going. So we just went to letting agents. Hmm. Um, We did what we were told, go and make friends with letting agents, um, and found some letting agents that were interested in working with us and some that weren't, which is pretty much exactly as we were told would Hmm. happen. Hmm. And um, a couple of letting agents were very forthcoming, and we found a property pretty quickly. 
which wasn't the first one. We actually looked at it once and said, oh, no, it's not quite the right one and looked at lots of others and then came back and reevaluated, and it was the right one. Interesting. Mm. So from the landlord's point of view, yes. the, the question could be, why didn't they just let the property out as a normal buy-to-let? Why would they let it out to you yep. knowing that you were going to sublet it? And presumably mm. they, they probably knew through the agent that you'd be doing quite well from that, mm-hmm. obviously making a profit or else he wouldn't do that. Yes. What, do you know what the motivation of the landlord was? Yeah, um, the, the advantages to the rent-to-rent for service accommodation system is that the landlord gets guaranteed rent. He's, it's my company that rents the property mm. um, on a company-let basis. Um, we guarantee the rent. We guarantee that we'll look after the property. Um, any minor maintenance we will cover, you know, chips to the paint, the usual wear and tear on the building will cover that. It's only the major stuff like if a boiler goes down that we'll call a landlord. Um, we have it regularly cleaned, um, so it's kept in tip-top condition because obviously in serviced accommodation, the better the apartment is presented, the better it is for our business because we live or die by our reviews. Mm. So therefore, we are going to keep that property in absolutely tip-top condition. So in some ways, it's a dream come true for a landlord. Mm. So uh, in terms of the deal, mm. how, how long is the, the, the term that you've taken the property over for? Initially, it was six months. Mm. Um, it was a new thing for us. It was a new thing for the letting agent and a new thing for the landlord. So everyone yeah. was a little bit cautious, including yeah. myself. Yeah. Um, so initially six months, but we've now extended that and we're going for longer tenancies effectively. Okay, and in terms of the rent, you don't have to give me specific figures, but presumably you're not paying full open market rent. We did. A bit less. On on the first couple, we did. Okay. We were very much, let's get some properties, and to be fair on the letting agents, why would they take a risk on somebody they've never met? Mm. Why why do a deal if they if they don't know this person? So we were, I don't know if we were naive or we we were just too nice, or maybe that's the way it is. But I was quite happy to pay standard fees and rent to get the business off the ground, dip our toe in the water and, and get us going, really. Well, you must have known, presumably, that the margin was there. Yes. And, and that it was worth paying full rent to get the property. Yes, absolutely. The, the, on the Surfed Accommodation Masterclass, we're taught how to uh, evaluate a deal, um, do the numbers, you know, don't base them on best case. As, as any business model, mm. you don't base it on best case, you base it on base it on potential worst case. So mm. I quite like Excel. I'm a bit Excel geeky from mm. my engineering days. So I've got lots of Excel spreadsheets that I can try and work out and predict as safely as possible that I'm going to make money out of the deal. So mm. that's what we did. Which is the key thing. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because the parallel in property is whether we buy our properties BNV. And yeah. obviously it's nice to get a deal, but sometimes yes. it can make total sense just to pay asking mm. price and get the property. Yes. Which maybe is a future podcast there somewhere mm, to talk possibly. about that. But yeah. So you went to the agents. Mm-hmm. Some were receptive and some weren't. Yes. How, how many did you go to? Can you remember? Was it, you talked about sort of going to a dozen or so agents before you found it's the deal? It's probably or? not quite that many. Um, four or five before we got the deal. because mm. Probably because we were lucky and there was a couple that we met early on that were quite receptive. Mm. And we actually got a deal with the second letting agent that we spoke to, but we spoke to others since. Mm. So obviously we're trying to grow the company. Mm. And yeah, it, it's a mixed bag. Some are totally up for it. Some have company policies that they won't do it. Mm. 
some, no matter how you explain the model, they probably don't get it. Mm. And again, there's a mm. parallel, in, I mean, we're talking specifically about serviced accommodation. Yes. But in property as a whole, that's yeah. always going to be the case. Absolutely. Some agents will get it, some agents will try and help you put the deals yeah. together. Some agents, they just don't know anything other than just selling houses or yeah. letting houses. Yeah. yeah. So being prepared for that, I guess, is part of it. It is, Not, not yes. seeing that as a knockback. Yeah, exactly. I, I went to letting agents not expecting to get a deal because of you know what I'd taught here, what mm. I'd been taught here at Progressive. Mm. Um, I expected to have to work for it and not mm. just swan in and say, I'm doing service accommodation and have them flock to me. Mm. Um, so yeah, it wasn't a surprise. And I put a lot of effort into how I presented myself mm. to the agents to mm. appear professional, which again is what we're taught on the courses. Okay. So that's, that's obviously working well, and you've now added to your portfolio, mm -hmm. and your portfolio is building. Yes, slowly but surely. Slowly but surely. Yeah. What are your plans? How, how far do you see this going? I'm going to grow the rent-to-rent -rent SA portfolio. Um, we've got a couple of deals which are hopefully in, in the bag in the next week or so. Um, so we'll be growing that in Peterborough. Um, we may look at other cities, um, but once we're off and running and got that going and systemized as our 70, the 70, 2010 mm. uh, thing that we talk about at Progressive. Um, I do want to then start actually investing in property for capital growth and mm. my long-term mm. financial freedom. Buying for yourself? Yes. Okay. So things are working out well. Yep. Last year wasn't looking so good. No. You went through your wobble. Yeah. What I mean, what, would you, what advice would you give anybody who's who's starting out, or perhaps somebody who sort of hit that bump and they're having a wobble of their own, having been through through mm -hmm. it now and seen both sides of it? What what do you think you learned through from that? Talking to people, whether it's your wife, your business partner, if you haven't got a business partner, people talk to people and network with other people in the industry who will have been through it before. This is the thing. Mm. Um, I don't think I'm any different to many, many other property people who get started in property, may not um, pick the right strategy initially or come from the corporate world and be used to that nine to five existence. I still don't describe myself as an entrepreneur, maybe I should, but mm. I'm, I'm still finding my way. Mm. Um, so I, I'd advise people just to talk to other people doing it mm. in the progressive property networks or business networks, but certainly talk to people in property mm. um, because people will have gone through it before mm. um, and you'll hear their story and it'll help you, mm. definitely. Okay. So, got to ask the question, yeah. if you live in Stamford, why did you choose Peterborough? Ah, yes. Um, Stamford, from what I learned at Masterclass, it has to be said, from what you taught me, Peter, I went to Masterclass deciding I was going to invest in property in Stamford and I think it was day two I'd realised I went through some deals um, with yourself and Anne and realised that the yields in Stamford were very low mm. because it's an expensive little mm. bubble of a mm. place mm. so for buying properties it's not ideal mm. um, for serviced accommodation it may work we're still looking for a potential nice little because mm. it's a tourist town mm. I think it'll be very seasonable but we'll see mm. um, but Peterborough is a big old place, growing fast. There's lots of 
industry going on here, a lot going on. So mm. for serviced accommodation, it works, and for other types of property, I think there's a there's a company around here somewhere that's got a few hundred houses that seems to work quite well. Well, I was going to ask you about that because yeah. a lot of the people who I who I meet who want to invest in Peterborough, who are from Peterborough, one of their yeah. big concerns is that Robin Mark have got everything. Yeah, there's, there's nothing left. I asked but, the same question when I started. You probably did, yes. Yeah. And is that the case? They haven't got everything. They haven't got everything. No, and I was actually um, speaking to Rob yesterday, and um, there's room for everyone. Um, he's not a greedy guy. He's a very giving person. Um, and whereas I'm sure, Rob, you don't want thousands of people descending on Peterborough, um, there is property here. As with any big city, there will be big property investors and there'll be smaller guys trying to make a, a go of it. So I think there's room. Yeah, yeah, there's always room, there's always room for more. Yeah. So the surface accommodation, that sounds like it's going well. Finding the properties is only part of it though, because then you've got to yeah. organise looking after the properties, having the management yes. team, the cleaners, changing the bed linen, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, how, how did you get, a, how, how did you do that? How, yeah. how did you put all that in place? Well, that's absolutely a huge part of it for service accommodation. Anybody getting started in the service accommodation um, all that's talked about on the courses, which is totally right, is systemization, mm. putting systems in place. Um, read Rob's book, Life Leverage, and then you'll realize why systems are important because you don't want to be doing it all yourself. Mm. It's, you're in the service industry. This is what people might miss, mm. that when you're in service accommodation, the clue's in the name, you're mm. in the service industry. So mm. people need time, they need their sheets changing, they need problem solving, they're guests of you. Um, so you need to be able to solve those problems, so you need a team to do that, otherwise you'll be running around like an idiot. And you've got that team now? Yes, um, it's not all in place, I'm still learning, but I've got a, a great cleaning team, great local cleaning company, who um, do all the cleaning, deliver the laundry to the um, laundry company, that's another company, that's a great local company. Um, so I'm really well supported by them. Um, I still greet the guests myself, but I'm just starting to put the feelers out um, that I don't have to do that all the time. There's a chap I'm talking to who's going to cover it when I'm on holiday, because I do want holidays, I want the freedom that this entrepreneurial life mm. gives me. So putting those systems into place is critical. Mm. Okay, so that element of the business is going to carry on expanding, Yeah. but in time you're going to start buying as well. Yes. Do you know when you're going to start buying? Do you know what you're going to start buying? I have set myself a bit of a target to buy something this year, okay. which isn't narrowing it down an awful lot. Um, I'm still a little bit open-minded as to what... I, ideally, I'd probably like an HMO, um, because I see that as a, a similar thing to serviced accommodation in a way. It's, it's people-intensive, because you typically get a faster turnaround. It's something we can put our interior design skills into. Well, Candy's <laughs> interior design yeah. skills, I'm not claiming those. Um, so that would that as a model would work for us, um, but obviously needs a bigger investment. So I'd need to get my JV head on for that. Mm. Um, but it, for me, it's kind of seeing what deal comes along. Um, whether it's a buy to let or an HMO, I'm quite happy to see what deals come up um, and maybe even buy a house for serviced accommodation. So I'm a little bit open minded. I haven't fully set that twenty of my seventy twenty ten just yet. Okay. But do you, do you have a vision where you're going to be in five years' time, ten years' time? Um, I want to replace my income. That was my target for this year, my, my income from um, my old job. Mm. Um, we're not going to achieve that, but that's because 
of me. I'm not pointing the finger at anybody else other than myself. That when you say you're not going to achieve it, you mean achieve it this year? This year? Yes. Oh, in future, you will I am it. going to achieve yeah, it, yes, Peter. Yeah, definitely, yes. definitely. Um, so replacing that salary through property while still having the freedom to do the fun stuff mm. is my, ga- my aim, my first aim, mm. and then longer term to build on that. Mm. Okay. So when you say fun stuff, yeah, yeah, you are having quite a lot of fun, aren't you? Because you came on ESR, Expert Speaker Revolution, yes, run by Progressive Sister Company, Unlimited Success. Yes. That would have been last year? Um, earlier this year. Earlier this year. Yeah. Candy came last year. Yeah, yes, yeah she indeed. started before me. Yes, yeah. indeed. So you've done the speaker training with yes, Progressive. Yes, and I'm loving that very much. What is that sort of doing for you? What, what, what are you doing with it? Um, what it's doing for me is giving me, giving me something that I really enjoy to do. I enjoy property, but I've discovered speaking. Uh, it's, it's a bit funny. Going to these courses with Progressive, I kept looking at the people on the stage yourself and thinking, I'd like to do that, and I think I could do that. And I like giving back. Um, sounds cheesy, but I, I do. I, I, it's something I learned over the last few years. I used to run a scout troop, and on the evenings, I'm um, at the scout hut, teaching these youngsters how to put up tents and stuff. I loved that because I've always enjoyed the outdoors, but just love teaching. Mm. And um, the speaking thing gives me that opportunity to potentially grow that and give back, present to people and give them the opportunity to start down a property journey like I have. So I'd love the opportunity to do that. So I'm working towards that right. with and Progressive. So you did ESR, the speaker yes. training course, yep. joined the academy. Yeah. And you're now assisting at events? I'm assisting at Beginner's Property Secrets, yeah. And we're loving it. Gary, it's been yeah. great to interview you. Well, thank you. We will check in with you again, mm-hmm. because you're still sort of relatively early in your journey. Yeah. There's a lot more to come. There is, So definitely. we'll probably get you back in 12 months or so and see what's changed. Well, that would be great. I'd love yeah, to. I, I mean, where, where would you see yourself being in 12 months? Hopefully you'll have bought the property. You'll have decided yeah. whether it's going to be a buy-to-let or a HMO. Do it, maybe clarify that and go out and buy it. Yeah. But what do you think would be the changes in the next 12 months? If we give you some challenging goals. Oh, no, in public. Okay. Um, minimum of five serviced accommodations, mm. apartments and houses, mm. and three properties. Mm-hmm. Okay. Minimum. Okay. I've well, said it now, we'll, haven't we'll, I? You have. <laughs> we'll, we'll play this back in 12 months and see. Yeah. That see still sounds cautious, doesn't it? I'm sure you'd push me to do more than well, that, Peter. Ma- well, We've all got to be in our flow, haven't we, Gary? Yeah, definitely. We've all got to be in our flow. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. And speaking more. Definitely. Don't forget the speaking. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll look forward to that. So, given where you've been on your journey so far, yes. one last piece of advice for anybody listening, maybe? My big piece of advice that I always give is don't get comfortable. Have a plan B, because um, I got comfortable and I didn't have a plan B, it crept up on me. And it's not necessarily a very nice place to be having to suddenly construct a plan B if you haven't got one. So don't get comfortable, push yourself and look for this other thing to do. Fantastic. Well, Gary, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you here today. I'm sure that that's going to inspire and encourage a lot of people. So just keep on going. No matter what happens, I think is the key lesson. And if, if you find yourself drifting or if you find yourself stalled Mm -hmm. as you did 
Have a word with yourself. Take yourself to one side. Have a word with yourself. Keep on going. There's always something we can do. And I think the way that you did it was very innovative, using your own property to get the serviced accommodation business up and running and now expanding into other units. It's a fantastic story, really. Well, thank so you. So I'm really thank excited you. to see how it does go over the next 12 months. Great. So this has been the Progressive Property Podcast. I've been Peter Jones with my guest, Gary, Gary Smith. Gary, just a thought. There's obviously going to be people listening to this podcast who are going to be looking for serviced accommodation in Peterborough. <laughs> I don't see why you shouldn't plug your business as you've given us uh, your time. How, how can people contact you? Well, thank you. Um, my business is Treeline Property. Yeah. Uh, we have a website. Um, my email is gary at treelineproperty.co.uk. Yeah. Um, we're on Airbnb, so yeah, just look us up. It'd yeah. um, be great to talk to you. I'm always happy to share my experience with anyone. So. Yeah, and if anybody's looking for accommodation in Peterborough, Gary <laughs> could well be your man. So thank get you. in touch with Gary. So Gary, thank you ever so much. I've been Peter Jones. This has been the Progressive Property Podcast. And if you have any questions or any ideas for future podcasts, then please do get in touch. Get in touch through the Progressive Facebook group or message me on Messenger. And if it looks like a good idea, which I think we can all benefit from, we well may well make it into a podcast in the future. See you soon. Here's to successful property investing.